0: You're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, I'm doing another Fantasy Friday, back touching on the NBA, NFL and AFL fantasy world. Plenty to talk about, actually, uh, from all three sports perspective. There's some relevant injury news to touch on in the basketball world with some players, some big-name players nearing a return and others who... Uh, Might be up for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Uh, There's some new NFL coaching hirings, so that changes a few things from a fantasy perspective. I'm going to touch on the new hirings and the big implications from those new coaches stepping into the big role. And from an AFL standpoint, I think I'm going to do an article on this probably next week, maybe the week after, about the real value value picks and value players in each line. In fantasy, but I'm going to touch on one in each position in this podcast at least and then talk a bit about the very relevant Western Bulldogs team from a fantasy perspective. G'day, Sports by Fry fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Hope you're having a great Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. I'm back covering everything from a fantasy perspective, like I said, at the leadoff. There is a lot that I'm going to dig through. I don't think this episode will be as long as uh, last week's one, where I had a couple of articles to bounce off. But if you haven't read them yet, make sure you check out sportsbyfry.com. I am working on my MVP NBA rankings. Uh, the, 3.0 Ladder edition that'll be out later today as well so make sure you visit the website for more of those pieces but let's dive into today's podcast starting with some NBA basketball talk so the big trending topics in the NBA world at the moment are is the injury status of a few big name players from a positive standpoint we saw that not only Victor Oladipo but Kyrie Irving yes uh, since uh, last recorded, it looks like Kyrie Irving is going to be making a return to the court, along with Victor Oladipo. The Indiana star has announced that he's planning to make his return on January the 29th against the Chicago Bulls, so if he is out there in your fantasy league, make sure you do the right thing and snap him up, because when he does return to the court, he's going to be great for Indiana. He's already owned in 77% of teams. This is All these numbers are ESPN fantasy related, uh, for what it's worth, but... If, for some reason, Oladipo's still out there, make sure you snap him up because he'll return within the next couple of weeks. Kyrie Irving should be returning sooner, actually, which kind of surprised everyone. In the last 24 hours, he's announced that he took part in a practice and got some game reps and his shoulder is okay, so he expects to return in maybe a week, maybe even a little bit less, which, compared to the recent news that we've got, is a massive backflip on what we thought was going to happen with Kyrie Irving's season, so... Great news if you are a Kyrie Irving owner. Might be a sneaky chance to buy a little bit low on Kyrie before he does return from injury. But with that news, I think everyone who is at least half involved in the fantasy world will know that Kyrie is coming back. So I don't know if you'll be able to swindle anyone. One other big name player who hasn't returned yet, but was a true game time decision against Portland today and should Be nearing a return in the near future is Carl Anthony Towns. Missing his 12th straight game today and going off uh, ESPN cap is still a top 10 rated centre in a lot of categories and obviously puts up stupid numbers from a fantasy perspective. Whether you like him as an actual basketballer or not remains to be seen, but that's alright. If you are a Carl Anthony Towns owner, then you can uh, happily know that he'll be returning sooner rather than later as well. Arguably, the biggest name that everyone's waiting to return from injury is Zion Williamson. Gave a little bit of an update on him last week, but he was on JJ Reddick's podcast this week saying that he's been raring to go and wants to return, but... Not being held back by any means, but being cautiously uh, worked through the last stages of his rehab by the Pelicans. Taking part in practices now as well, which is obviously a big tick. Not going to play this weekend on their uh, upcoming couple of games, but could be in line to return early next week. Which is good news if you have Zion on your squad. One dude who won't be returning anytime soon, though, unfortunately, is Blake Griffin. We've known that Griffin has had trouble with injuries for years, actually for the majority, if not all, of his NBA career. So it's a bit sad to uh, announce that uh, Griffin's undergone more knee surgery on his left knee and is going to be out for an extended period of time. He played just 18 games so far this year and didn't really look himself. He was shooting just around 35%, and there's a big blow for the Pistons, who are now... Kind of stuck in a very weird spot. Obviously, you'd love to have Blake Griffin out there, but with Blake and Andre Drummond, they're kind of keeping Detroit from the real bottom end of the lottery whenever they're playing. So if they aren't on the line, and even if they are in the lineup, there's not a lot on the rest of the Pistons roster to push them into the playoff race. So they're kind of stuck in no man's land right now. But maybe this injury to Blake will help some guys uh, get a little bit more experience and create a bit more opportunity. If that is the case, then hopefully we can see the Pistons become relevant again. All right, let's look at some waiver wire moves. Sticking with the Blake Griffin topic, one dude who I think you could add at the moment is Sekou Dumbayo. I probably got that wrong, but uh, I'll say it with confidence. Sekou Dumbayo was a lottery pick for Detroit last draft and plays a similar position to Blake, a bit of a small forward-power forward combo. So with Blake Griffin out, obviously... Injury creates opportunity, and DeBio is the one who seems like he's going to benefit from that opportunity right away. He, in the last couple of games, has been seeing a heavy minutes workload, and he could be one of those fantasy dudes who comes out and averages one block, one steal, and one three per game, which is pretty, not rare, but is definitely uh, worth worth adding on your roster if they can contribute in that perspective. Expect him to be very inconsistent, though, because he is a rookie. He's only played, what, 20 or 30 games in his career. the uh, there's a lot to like about Dumbayo, and from a fantasy perspective, he's going to be starting now with Griff out, so could be worth taking a punt on him. He's only owned about 30% of ESPN leagues, so can have a splash at him if you need help in a power forward position. I mentioned Karis Levert last week, who made his successful return from injury. He's still only owned in about 63% of leagues, so make sure you snap him up. He scored 20 points against OKC in their latest game so again if you need to and he's still on the waiver wire I would grab him as soon as possible. Bloke you can drop though it's fair to say Dario Saric's fantasy value is uh, pretty non-existent right now. He's had ups and downs throughout this season and there was a time where he looked pretty solid but he hasn't played over 20 minutes in any of his last five games for the Phoenix Suns and the return of DeAndre Ayton obviously ate into his minutes but We've now seen Phoenix use him and Aaron Baines together, so Aiton and Baines getting a lot of the minutes and a lot of the workload means, unfortunately, for Dario Saric, it's time to go. Switching it up to some NFL stuff now, and like I said, I want to talk about the new coaching hirings and what it really means from a fantasy perspective. Some of the teams and some of the coaching hirings, we're going to have to wait and see a little bit, but... Here are just a couple of observations I made from the uh, four hirings to date that have been filled. Starting with the first one, we saw Ron Rivera at in Washington. I think this is, maybe not from a fantasy perspective, going to be great, but it'll be very, very good for Washington, for Washington's franchise. Having a professional like Ron Rivera in the building, it's going to do them wonders, I reckon. From a fantasy perspective, I think the main intrigue here is in their running back position. And probably looking at Darius Geis, who's missed... A lot of time through injury, but there's no reason why Geis couldn't be, maybe he'll probably still categorise as a sleeper, but there's no reason why he couldn't be a big factor in fantasy next year, especially if he can stay healthy. The Redskins quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, obviously I don't think you'd find uh, Ron Rivera taking the job if he didn't at least like Dwayne Haskins, but watch this space and see how they fill out the rest of that quarterback roster in Washington because they had Case Keenum this year, but... He comes off the books. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. So if Haskins is the clear-cut starter and there's not a lot of other threat for the position, he could be worth uh, taking a late flyer on in fantasy. But again, we'll see how that unfolds throughout the offseason and watch that space. In Dallas, they've got Mike McCarthy running the show now, former Super Bowl-winning coach with the Green Bay Packers. Great for their offense, I think. I really like the McCarthy hiring, and I think Dallas will hopefully, uh, for Cowboys fans' sake, uh, this will be the year that they start to really jump, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Find consistency in the playoffs and really not just become one of the numbers. They actually make a threat to take out a Super Bowl. So again, good for their offense. I'd still take a couple of other running backs over Ezekiel Elliott, but he looks poised to once again be a top handful um, of selections. He won't go outside the top five in most drafts, in my opinion. Dak, again, will be highly rated because of the success that he had last season. That's kind of why I jumped on him Uh, In my last draft actually Because I thought he would have this big jump But he could make another leap again Wide receiver spots A bit difficult to to peg But I think Michael Gallup Could be a sneaky get He had flashes throughout the year Of brilliance And there's no reason why He and Amari Cooper can't succeed again In 2020 And I think Gallup might Obviously Amari Cooper Will be drafted pretty highly But you might be able to Sneak Gallup in Just outside the top 80 or so Which I think is Pretty good value from that position All right, next one, Matt Rule landing in Carolina. This is going to be a very interesting hire to watch, especially uh, as a Panthers fan. But I think that it doesn't make a hell of a lot of change because Matt Rule has shown in the past that it takes a while for players and teams to buy into his system. He was famously at went to Temple where he turned a 1- or 2-win team into a 10- or 11-win team after two seasons. Did exactly the same thing at Baylor, and while he's got a lot of toys and a lot of uh, tools to play with in Carolina, I expect them to be a little bit messy, in a sense, before they can find a bit of uh, consistency. But rules should still be good in Carolina. I don't think it boosts Christian McCaffrey too much, but then again, I don't think Christian McCaffrey can do much more than what he did in 2019. But he'll again be deserving of a top two, top three pick. Um, the Cam Newton situation will really dictate how Carolina from a fantasy perspective unfolds. Obviously if he stays and he's got one more year on his contract, so it seems like that's what he'll do. And he's healthy, then it depends on if you trust his body. I talked about why he uh, won the, why Do I trust this guy award in uh, the fantasy awards last episode, but if you trust Cam, McCarthy, uh, Cam McCarthy, if you trust Cam Newton's body then he's definitely worth taking a punt on. I would probably want to maybe take him a flyer on him and have another quarterback just in case Cam's not healthy, but he's won an MVP in the past. He obviously his body is a little bit uh, banged up compared to well, since that season, but I still like Cam. I, maybe I'm a little bit biased and it's the Panther fan in me, but uh yeah, I for now, I think stay away from Cam Newton, but uh, watch the rest of the offseason news and see what Matt Rule says regarding Cam, because he could be a big factor in Fantasy 2020. The last hiring so far is Joe Judge landing at the New York Giants. Solid get for them. It's a little bit too early to tell, because there's not a lot of pieces on the Giants roster that I like the looks of. Obviously, he is an ex-Patriot. He was the special teams coach for New England, so... Hopefully he has these guys playing, and competing a bit harder, which boosts the fantasy floor of almost everyone involved. Daniel Jones, their quarterback, could be a bit underrated. He had some pretty flashy games last year. I think guys like Saquon Barkley, Evan Engram, uh, who else they got, Sterling Shepard, they're all going to probably hover at around the same positions that they did a year ago. I don't think Judge landing in New York is going to make a huge difference, but might get a bit more out of Daniel Jones, and there might be a couple of other diamonds in the rough similar to Darius Slayton, who stepped up for the Giants uh, in periods last season. There could be more dudes out there like that in 2020 as well. Lastly, let's focus a bit on some AFL fantasy stuff. I'll talk about the Bulldogs towards the end uh, of this segment, but I want to touch on a couple of the value picks and players who I think are a bit underpriced in each position that you should seriously consider for your fantasy team this season. Let's start in the back line, and a player who I think will be starting in a lot ...of AFL teams this year. Below, costing less than 600k is Dan Houston. Port Adelaide mid-defender. He has dual position status, which is great. Only averaged 80 last season. But Houston was a huge factor towards the last part of the season. In his final five games, he let me reel off these scores. It's pretty impressive. He had 104, 123, 103, 97 and 89. And that came when he was playing a bit more midfield... ...and pushing up the ground as a bit more of an attacking halfback and wing type. So... We can see Houston adopt that same role for Port Adelaide this season, then that's going to do his fantasy ceiling and even fantasy floor wonders. Does come again, he's not super cheap, he's priced at about 80, but considering the way that he ended the year, he. He had a 40, I'm looking at some of his scores from earlier in the year. There's a couple of 50s and 40s and a couple of 60s as well, but a lot of these scores would have come when he played in the back line as well. He's poised to have a pretty solid breakout year. He's in his fourth season now, so I'm a big believer of Houston, and at this stage he's in my starting lineup. Turning my attention to the midfield, one player who I'm going to cover in the deck of Dream Team uh, as it unfolds throughout the next couple of weeks and months on the Dream Team talk site is Callum Ward. Did his ACL last year for the Giants pretty tragically, but Callan Ward still has fantasy value in my opinion. Does depend a little bit on how the Giants make up their midfield and where Lockie Whitfield lands. There's plenty of talent, obviously, uh, in their lineup. So if there's room for Callan Ward and he can slot into an inside midfield type of role, then I'm a big believer of what he can do. He's Last few seasons, before obviously injuring his ACL in 2019, he's played all 22 games. 2014 was the last time he failed to play 22 games. In all of those seasons, the last four, he's gone an average of nearly 97, 93 and a half, 96, and 100 flat. So if he can average somewhere around the 90s, then I still think that there's a merit in starting with Callan Ward. He's priced at 539, or at an average of 72, so... He could go 15 to 20 points over that quite easily, and I like the looks of him. It's a bit tricky, and I do wonder how many midfields he'll be able to fit in, but Callan Ward certainly has fantasy value this upcoming season. Sam Jacobs is someone who I talked about on last week's episode, and again, he is my pick for the fantasy value in the Ruck department. Priced under 70, he did technically average over 80 in the five games he played for Adelaide, but obviously lands at the Giants now as their go-to ruck. Again, like I said last week, watch this space and see if they plan to deploy him with Shane Mumford, because that could eat into some of his potential scoring. But I don't think that they'll be doing that for the entire season. And to reap the benefits of Sam Jacobs' 2020 season, it might be wise to start with him in one of your ruck slots. Finally, the last bloke. I'm going serious value in this one. I'm talking about Jacob Townsend from the Bombers. He's listed as a forward and Predominantly for Richmond, that's where he played his footy. So he hasn't really got a great fantasy pedigree from the past. Priced at under 36, he's only 266 grand. But apparently the Bombers are planning on deploying Townsend as a bit more of an inside midfielder, providing a bit of grunt in their engine room. And if he is closer to the pill and playing a bit more midfield time, then Townsend has serious upside. He could add 150, 200 grand to his starting price push his average towards the 70s. It's not that far-fetched to believe, and maybe even more, honestly. So he's someone to really keep your eye on over the preseason. All of these players are, but Townsend especially, because if his role is right, then he has to be in your team. Rightio, the last thing I want to talk about on the Fantasy Friday is the Western Bulldogs from a fantasy perspective. The traders just released their podcast on the Bulldogs, which you can listen to about some of their big key players. But I want to talk about mainly the Bulldogs midfield, because there's a lot of teams, the Giants included, Collingwood were like this a little bit in the past decade, who have multiple players that are superstar fantasy caliber types, and you almost want to pick as many as you can. So I'm going to try and power rank the Bulldogs midfielders in order of how I would pick them. And obviously, you can't really go past McRae and Dunkley at the top, but splitting them is pretty tricky. There's only 30k difference between the two, and neither of them come cheap, but... Both of them, at least in the first half of last fantasy season, didn't really perform at the best of their ability. And for that reason, one could argue that they still have 5 to 10 points growth in them, which is crazy to say, considering uh, McRae average 115 and Dunkley average 110, but, or 111 rather, but it is true. At this stage, I think I still just have more faith in McRae. Dunkley seems like he's in danger of swinging forward at any given point, but obviously the Bulldogs excelled with him in the middle of the ground, last year, so I'd be surprised if that's not where he started again in 2020. Next couple of players do really, I think, are almost in a tier below McRae and Dunkley. I'm looking at the likes of Bontempelli, Lockie Hunter, Caleb Daniel, and an interesting one in Patrick Lipinski as well. I do really like the looks of Lipinski, who retained mid-forward status and is priced at 85, only played 13 games a year ago, so he could be a real breakout candidate. I do wonder how much he can push that average up with all these other big names in his team. But he could go 90 plus, which as a forward is very, very tempting. He's priced at 634 grand, so someone to keep your eye on. However, I think I would rank Lockie Hunter third, even though he technically averaged less than the Bont last year. With all these guys, obviously, if they're healthy, with all these guys playing, I think Bontempelli is the biggest threat to push forward, mainly because... He's hard to stop as a forward, so it makes a lot of sense from uh, the Western Bulldogs' perspective to utilise him in that role. He'll still probably average a ton, the Bont, but I like Lockie Hunter as well. Has demonstrated a pretty unreal ceiling. He's the guy that will just win you a couple of draft games. I think he had a couple of multiple 140-plus scores last year. So I probably just, for that reason, slide side with Lockie Hunter as the third Best Bulldog from a fantasy perspective. I can't really put Bont above... Uh, sorry, I can't really put Lipinski above Bont Peli. So Bont sits fourth and Lipinski fifth, for my opinion. Caleb Daniel averaged nearly 95 last year. Priced a tick under 700 grand. Probably getting a little bit of the short straw. But one of the main reasons he was fantasy relevant last year was because he had forward and defender status. So considering he's only a pure defender at the moment, unless he gains forward status throughout the year or something like that, then I think I'd rank him at the bottom of these Bulldogs fantasy pecking order. And that brings another Fantasy Friday to a wrap. Thank you once again for tuning in. Make sure that you hit sportsbyfry.com up to read all my relevant articles and bits and pieces. If you haven't heard uh, on the last pod, I addressed how I've been currently moving house. So a lot of the Sports by Fry production's taken a back seat, but all the hard stuff's nearly done. So... Fingers crossed, here's hoping I can get back to work and start uh, producing more articles and podcasts next week. But thank you for listening to this episode. Have a great weekend. Until next time, peace.